This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Pillsbury. And it is, I know we say it often, but this one is legitimately... A doozy. It is. Heck. It is like the Hydra. You chop off one head and two more grow. Like yeah. everything I was like, oh, okay, we'll go down this path. Oh, no, we can't go down. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay, let's go back. Oh, we'll go down this path. Oh, no. Okay, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, the company has been around for so long and it's got so many like sub brands. Um, yes. And I mean, Funfetti could be its own mini series, I think. And it should be. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, looking forward to that someday. This is not the Funfetti episode. Um, but. But yeah, many, many, many corporate shenanigans have occurred, um, and we are so excited to tell you all about them because we we both have some, like we have both participated um, in the growth of this corporation, at least, I mean, I suppose our our parents did anyway. I mean, (laughs) we both have nostalgic memories of this stuff, yeah. We do. Uh, I do have many fond memories of Pillsbury products. I particularly loved the crescent rolls mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Like, oh, that smell! And I would like I would break them apart in a yeah, particular peel them manner. Apart. Yeah, totally. Oh, uh-huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I have a very vivid memory of being in college and uh, slightly tipsy. 
uh, trying to open one of those crescent roll canisters. Yeah. And like hitting it with a, a knife. <laughs> Everything worked out fine. Well, that's good. But I, it terrified me every time opening those. Like even knife or not, tipsy or not, still makes me a little nervous. Oh, yeah, those. no, to this day, to this day, it's um as not bothered as I am by opening bottles of sparkling wine. Because you can like point those away from yourself. There's no way mm. to point a... a dough canister away from yourself because it's going to go every it's just it's everywhere it's just expanding yeah. in all directions simultaneously mm. and it makes such a loud noise but it's got such delicious baked goods inside oh it does i have so many recipes that are you know like those simple you put chocolate and brie inside and bake yeah. the, the crescent rolls with that or i had a pretty good like pumpkin one that i used to do um there's so many opportunities a whole world of opportunities uh, with those crescent rolls. I also, my brothers loved the cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Um, I liked them before the icing went on. The icing was too much for me. But if okay. I could get them before that. And then my grandparents loved the, uh, I think they were called Grand Slams. They were like those biscuits that had all the layers. Oh, sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, my dad, for like special occasions um for like maybe like a like christmas morning or something would sometimes get um a, a roll of the cinnamon rolls um mm. and and uh, i i i was always such a snob about baked goods because my um my mom's mother would like make these homemade uh cinnamon rolls that i'm still completely in love with um yeah and and so like that nostalgia factor like homemade yeast rolls are they're, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Mm -hmm. um, so I was always like, this isn't really real. This... <laughs> um, I but... like snob goth young Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is real? Nothing's really real here anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, but I do have, I do have fond nostalgic memories of that kind of thing. Um, and it was always for special occasions because I think like, it, like, like my dad, you know, worked in the restaurant industry pretty much all his life. And so like for a special occasion, if he didn't have to cook, especially in the morning, like yeah. many, like many chefs and cooks, he hated making breakfast. And so, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and so that was always like a special occasion for him. And for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was a pretty, like, we didn't use those kind of things that often either. Um, one thing we did keep around a lot, I believe I've mentioned before, was the, uh, like, tubes of cookie dough. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. We yeah. have Pillsbury tubes of the chocolate chip cookie dough. And I would just, like, I mean, it was a part of me that shudders to think about it now. But it was so good at the time. I would just cut off a slice. Just raw slice. cookie dough. Oh, yeah. Just eat it. Eat it. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think that uh, it's probable that that it's probable that Pillsbury was also the brand of because we we would make Christmas cookies when we decorated the tree every year. He grew up Jewish, so he was very <laughs> he, was, he was very tickled by the entire Christmas decoration process. Um, mm -hmm. And we would always bake sugar cookies and like listen to um, to Nat King Cole, but again, never Aww. from scratch because why would you do that to yourself if you're an mm -hmm. off duty chef? <laughs> Anyway, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the holiday cookies, that was the whole thing. Like, they, they were the um, sugar cookies that had the hearts in them for Valentine's Day. Those oh, were good, too. Oh, right. They were very good. Yeah. Um, 
But yes, I guess we should mention uh, Pillsbury is not currently a sponsor. Nope. As we record this. <laughs> We're nope. just interested in these stories about companies and how they came to be. Yeah, yeah. Especially one is as influential as this one. So um, yes. I suppose this brings us to our question. I suppose it does. Pillsbury. What is it? Well, uh, Pillsbury is a brand of food and home baking products um, that's actually owned by two different companies at this point. Um, (laughs) This I had no idea about this and it tickles me. It was made for some very confusing reading right right up until I figured out what was going on. At any rate. um, Yeah. So so the brand um, encompasses two basic divisions, um, shelf stable goods found in the baking aisle of your grocery store, like uh, uh, flowers, cake and brownie mixes, canned frosting, etc. And then also refrigerated, frozen, and prepared snack goods that are found in their respective aisles, uh, like um, uh, cookie and biscuit and pizza doughs, uh, frozen toaster pastries, snack cookies, etc. Both the refrigerated and the uh, the shelf-stable goods are generally meant to, like, help home cooks prepare fresh baked goods in their homes more easily with less uh, consideration and preparation required. Um, it's a right, just a really long running brand that depends on this like recognition and nostalgia factor and convenience. Mm-hmm. Those two companies, uh, it's it's sort of like a like a Sony Fox Marvel thing, as far as I can tell. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so okay, so so GM owns the brand's refrigerated, frozen, and prepared foods division. Um, this, this company called Hometown Food Company, uh, owns its baking aisle division. Uh, the GM version of the logo is this navy circle with a single set of white dots around the edge, um, and the Pillsbury name offset at a tilt, and they own the Doughboy and run the Bake Off. Uh, the Hometown Food Company version of the logo has two sets of dots and no tilt, and they license the Doughboy, but own Funfetti. What? But now I'm confused because <laughs> how am I supposed to keep this straight? All right. I could deal with Fox Marvel Sony. I could tell you all about it. But this, it, one of them is a tilt. I thought that was a fun one. But then the other one has Funfetti. So that one seems like it would be the fun one. Uh, well, Are they it, both the fun one? It has their... I I think that they would argue that they are both the fun one, but I but, believe that. <laughs> but you can, but the the the, the funfetti one has the two sets of dots. So like funfetti, it is it is extra studded. <laughs> extra studded. <laughs> that sounds like me when I was going to concerts in high school. <laughs> I guess that was fun. <laughs> This is actually kind of, I love this kind of thing. This is what, if you get me a couple beers in, I love talking about very specific legal ownership things. And most people give me polite nods oh. until they wander away and then I'm <laughs> left by myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, it's kind of it's wonderful in a, in a pedantic sort of way. 
I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, but it's kind of related and it's still really tickling me. So I'm going to mention it here as well. Brief aside that has nothing to do whatsoever with Pillsbury. Um, uh, I was talking with my friend Katya about all of our crushes in the television show Supernatural, which if you're if you've been listening, then you know that Annie and I are fans of um mm-hmm. and uh and it's the kind of show that like really encourages you encourages you to have a crush on literally everybody and mm-hmm. uh and we do and uh so uh Katya and I were talking about it and I was like lord help me I'm pretty sure that my biggest crush is on Crowley and Katya was like huh it's all the paperwork isn't it <laughs> and I felt very seen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as you should, I think. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Not a bad way. <laughs> at, at any rate. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I had mentioned um, in all of this the Doughboy. And mm-hmm. if you have no idea what that is, you're very confused right now. Um, but but uh, but it's a it's a long running mascot of Pillsbury. Um, you've, I mean, but you've probably seen him. You've probably seen the commercials or the advert, the, 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 the marketing. Um, he's a kind of little, little doughy white buddy, a little round blue eyes, and he's wearing a chef's hat and a neckerchief. Um, he's got a squeaky little voice. He, he giggles when you poke him. Mm-hmm. In the stomach. In the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I always found that weird. Like, why are you poking this guy? I personally dislike being poked, so... That's probably why Facebook, you know, is not for you. No. <laughs> True enough. True enough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> another thing I mentioned above is the uh, Pillsbury Bake Off, which is a more or less annual baking contest that uh, that invites fans to submit recipes for a cash prize and bragging rights. 2021's winner was a skillet sugar cookie pancake. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar cookie like on the on the outside around the edges, pancake like in the center. I don't know. Um, huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have so many questions about this because I was the other I was thinking about this. What would I submit? Oh, uh-huh. If uh-huh. I entered this and so many things I would submit are things like recipes I found from other people. Sure. So yeah. I'm not I don't know. <laughs> To get creative. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, runners up this year, or, or last year at any rate, uh, included a uh, cornbread swirl tamale pie um, mm. and a matcha tea iced biscuits. That sounds lovely. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pillsbury publishes a number of cookbooks under an imprint at uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, um, <laughs> including titles like um, The Best of the Bake Off, uh, which which has different books for casseroles, desserts, and uh, cookies and bars. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they've also got The Big Book of Easy Baking with Refrigerated Dough um, and The Fast Slow Cooker Cookbook. And sorry, Annie was just making this face. <laughs> My brain was like, what? It's like, hold on. <laughs> um, and one one recent one called Baking Hacks, um, which has this illustration of the doughboy on the cover. Like he like he's leaning over your kitchen counter at you, like his hands propping up his head, and he's all like, Look, let's get real here. <laughs> <laughs> 
you need some help, I'm here for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the doughboy, it can he can pull out a, a a variety of emotions, in my opinion. Can can he's mm-hmm. very expressive. He is. They also have a lot of recipes and tutorials online um, uh, from uh, General Mills uh, at Pillsbury.com and from Hometown Food uh, at, at PillsburyBaking.com. Okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and and I can I I can tell, I can tell you want a list, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. All right. Uh <laughs> All right. Um, the General Mills products include things that you're hypothetically supposed to bake yourself with minimal additions. Uh, biscuits, pie crust, crescent rolls, pizza crust, bread, cinnamon rolls, cornbread swirls, cookie dough, and pull-apart kits. Uh, also things that you heat and eat. Toaster strudel, toaster scrambles, and microwave brownies and cinnamon rolls. And already baked cookies and dessert bars. Um... The Hometown Food Company products include things you're hypothetically supposed to bake yourself with a few additions, a water and eggs and etc. Um, cookies, cakes, brownies, donuts, quick breads and muffins, breads, pizza crust, corn muffins, biscuits, rolls and pancakes, plus uh, uh, basics and, uh, and toppings like, uh, like flowers, frosting and sprinkles. Okay. A lot of stuff. I'm still a little confused, but I, you know, I think I got the gist, the basics. Okay. <laughs> it's, I, you know, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure that I do know, but we, we do have a lot to illuminate in the history section. So, gosh, we do. We yeah. do. Uh, in the meantime, uh, what about the nutrition? Don't eat brands. I guess unless you are a fellow like conglomerate and you are acquiring uh, them and yes. eating them in that way, which Pillsbury did a lot of. Oh yes, um, yes. Oh, yes. I bet there's some weird like capitalism metaphor we could go into about eating brands, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we do have some numbers for you. We do. Okay. Um, one source suggested that in 2003, Pillsbury sales amounted to $7.4 billion, which is a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was the General Mills segment. Um, but uh, I read that as of 2016, um, the baking segment of General Mills in general <laughs> was making about Two billion in annual sales, which was eleven percent of the company's total revenue, um, and that uh, furthermore, Pillsbury's refrigerated cookie dough and frozen toaster strudel made up the majority of those two billion in sales. Oh wow! I did go through a frozen toaster strudel period in high school. Oh man, my dad would not let me have those, and I was really mad. They were sugar. That was. Yeah, it was like a a sugar bomb for sure. Uh, And I think that's why I burned out. It was like a a bright, high period that fizzled out quickly. But for that like period, I loved them. Yeah, you were like, oh, this uh, this this makes me feel terrible. Yeah, but it tasted so good in the moment. Yeah, right. Mm Hmm. Well. 
According to the Pillsbury website, which, yes, now I'm like, which one? Uh, they have <laughs> over 15,000. Uh, this, this is the GM one. <laughs> okay. Right, all right, you said. All right, okay. They host over 15,000 recipes, and the site gets millions of visits a month. Also, I'm just sort of endeared when uh, companies use a lot of exclamation points in their marketing. And I remember reading this, and there was a lot of exclamation points. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were very excited about it. They also <laughs> claim a can of their crescent rolls is sold every 0.18 seconds in the U.S. Four million Pillsbury biscuits are eaten in the U.S. every day, and that during the holiday season— they specifically said Christmas season. Um, Americans bake over 17,000 batches of Pillsbury cookies per hour. Wow. Huh. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. Ooh. Speaking of a lot, in 2015, Pillsbury broke the Guinness World Record for most cookies slash biscuits iced in an hour with 1,169 cookies, which they did at the uh, Mall of America. Oh. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. <laughs> Um, the original Pillsbury Doughboy stop-motion animation doll <laughs> cost about $16,000, which is around 145000 in today's money. Um, he measures precisely eight, eight and three-quarter inches tall. Um, that's 22.2 centimeters. Um, now digital, um, he has appeared in over 600 commercials for over 50 different products. Yes, and we're going to get into more of the history of the Pillsbury Doughboy in the in the history section. But interestingly enough, I hadn't even told. I was just talking to a friend of mine, and I hadn't told her we were doing this research. We were actually talking about Star Wars, of course. But <laughs> she was saying she her parents watched a show that's kind of about like finding I don't know antiques in people's houses and selling it for way more. And she uh-huh. said there was an episode about um, they had the. Pillsbury Doughboy, uh, and they were talking about like how difficult it was to work and how big of a deal it was. Oh wow! Oh cool! Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No yeah. stop. Stop motion is no joke. Like that's a lot of a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about it. I'm I'm very excited to talk about it. You know, we love a good mascot. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we've got lots more history stuff for you. But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, 
you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And I guess we should have said we've, we've done several related episodes to this one. Perhaps Betty Crocker is the oh, one yeah. that's coming to mind for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And I guess, like in a in a weird way, maybe, maybe Kellogg's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could see that one. I could see that one. Uh, but that will all it will all become clear, dear listener, uh, yeah. why that is, <laughs> or or perhaps not, because this is pretty, like I said, pretty Hydra like. A lot going on in yeah. this in this outline. Um, but okay. So, Charles Alfred Pillsbury was born into a middle-class family in New Hampshire in 1842, and his father was a shopkeeper. Uh, And in 1863, Charles graduated from Dartmouth College, and he then moved to Canada to work as a clerk before relocating to Minneapolis to work with his uncle, John S. Pillsbury, in 1869. Um, And the records get a bit confusing here, just based on, like, when you called, like, the the official start of the company. Mm -hmm. But according to the company's timeline, in 1869, Charles Pillsbury established the Pillsbury Flour Mills Company in Minnesota. Allegedly, John, Uncle John, convinced Charles and his father, George, to pull together $10,000 to purchase one-third of a local flour mill business that was struggling. And this was a risk because neither had experience in flour (laughs) milling, uh, which was an unstable industry at the time. Within the same year, they joined forces with competitor Washburn Crosby to form the Minneapolis Millers Association. And within three years, um, they were able to make a profit. Uh, Washburn Crosby would eventually evolve into General Mills. Um, And at the time, these mills were water-driven. Pillsbury's and Washburn Crosby's mills both used the St. Anthony Falls um, and faced each other across the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. Just like sitting there looking at each other all the time. (laughs) Enemies. And yet friends. (laughs) And yet enemies. (laughs) Yes. Uh, One of the ways that Pillsbury really pushed themselves and kept themselves competitive was in how they were early adopters and innovators of technology in their industry. Um, So, for instance, they used modern technology to improve their own milling equipment so that it was more efficient at harvesting the tough local wheat, things like steel rollers Mm -hmm. that revolutionized flour milling and earned flour from that region an international reputation 
Things like that, along with the acquisition of two additional milling machines, enabled them to produce a daily 2,000 barrels of flour by 1872. Uh, That same year, Charles reorganized the company, adding some relatives as partners to create the C.A. Pillsbury and Company. Um, So that also sometimes comes up as like the first date that this whole thing started. Um, But uh, he also trademarked the slogan, Pillsbury's Best, with four X's. I thought that was a mistake for the longest time. (laughs) I was like, so they're like, is this some kind of weird censorship? Are they not saying? But the X's denote quality. So three X's is like really good. Four X's is like the best. Okay. Yes. All right. Cool. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Pillsbury added six more mills, including one that was the largest in the world at the time, and it was technologically advanced um, during the 1880s. So this allowed for the company to triple their production. They did take a hit, however, after fires damaged three of their mills in 1881. And this was a serious problem at the time, um, uh, flour mill fires, because flour is combustible. Um, And there weren't really a lot of safety precautions going on in the industry or any industry at the time. Um, You can see the American Shadows episode. I do this other show called American Shadows about kind of historical true crime sort of stuff. And we did a segment about um, fire at the Washburn Mills um, in a episode called Bittersweet. Ooh, love it. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Yes. Uh, Pillsbury had almost recovered from these fires when they were purchased by an English financial syndicate in 1889, one that also bought up other competing mills in the area, along with equipment like water power rights. Charles Pillsbury stayed in a leadership position at this newly created Pillsbury Washburn Flour Mills Company Limited. Um, By 1896, they were producing 10,000 barrels of flour a day, and they became the world's largest milling company. Now, this this kind of paragraph right here is one of the, the examples of what I'm talking about where I try to go into this like this English company and I was like, how much is interesting and worth saying? I mean, it's all worth mentioning, but how far should I but go into how it? deep, right, yeah. <laughs> right? These company politics and intrigue. <laughs> yes. Um, I did want to include this, however. Charles also started one of the country's first profit-sharing plans for employees in 1883 and invested in the electrification of Minneapolis and their streetcar system. So this was kind of revolutionary at the time. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I and I and I will say the takeaway from the Washburn uh Crosby Mills fire was that um uh the runners of those mills like really put in place good changes to to help out with the with the safety of their of their humans and that was that was great good yeah yeah yes definitely um another piece of pillsbury success was all about strategy in the 1890s they pivoted to focus on selling to retailers they made advertising a priority however There were hiccups. Uh, In the early 20th century, they struggled with freight rates and a general depression in the agricultural field. After a poor harvest in 1907, the company went into receivership. Three men, including Charles A. Pillsbury's son, Charles S. Pillsbury, (laughs) um, were put in charge of reorganizing the company once again, and they renamed it the Pillsbury Mills Flower Company. This reorganization involved changing how the mills were run and the game-changing decision to build their own lab for product research. Mm. 
Through things like this, the company recovered and more, and in 1923, they were able to purchase all the remaining outstanding assets from Pillsbury Washburn. Uh, During the same decade, they started opening new plants in the area and a little later started acquiring other companies. All kinds of other companies, but... Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that. But yes. Yeah, yeah. But first, <laughs> brief architecture aside. <laughs> yes. Because I gather this is a big deal, and I really want to hear from listeners about this um, if you know more. In 1918, Charles's son, John S. Billsbury, constructed the Southways Estate on Brackens Point in Minnetonka, Minnesota, which he and his wife, Eleanor, often frequented during the summer. A little over a decade later, in 1930, it became the permanent Pillsbury family home. It was sold for the first time after Eleanor's death at 104 in 1991. In 2018, it was demolished to make way for condos. Oh, no. Yeah, and from what I understand, it was a very storied property. Oh, huh. Yeah, yeah. So, listeners, we really yeah. got it right in. Yeah, Minnesota, right in. Mm-hmm. And the original Minneapolis 1913 mansion owned by Charles Pillsbury was made into the headquarters for Blind Inc., B-L-I-N-D, capitalized Inc., uh-huh. to function as a, quote, modern training center for the blind without sacrificing the charm and beauty of the original structure in 1993. Huh. Um, I also believe the original mill is still running. But again, listeners, you got to let us know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it's still standing is perhaps a better word. Back to the company, though. Um, Pillsbury, they were still thinking of ways to innovate. And by 1932, they had expanded their product line to include cereals and cake flour. In 1931, uh, Pillsbury debuted their iconic can-popping technology. I think we talked about that in the Velveeta episode. We've talked about it before somewhere. (laughs) In the 1940s, Pillsbury purchased Globe Grain and Milling Company for $3 million and continued producing their lines of pastas and pancake and biscuit mixes, which is, yeah, this is a recurrent theme of, like, purchasing something, continuing to make what they made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through this, they were able to reach a flour milling record of 40,000 barrels a day. In, yeah, I know. <laughs> in 1944, they changed their name once again to Pillsbury Mills Incorporated. Um, Also during this decade, they started exporting flour and started selling food products to hotels and restaurants and supplied products for the U.S. Army during World World War II. Um, And gosh, that's not all. (laughs) That's not all, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) They started offering a slew of new products in the 1940s. Dry soup mixes, boxed cake mixes, and when they acquired Ballard and Ballard Company in 1951, they kept producing and selling their line of refrigerated foods. Ah. Mm-hmm. Their expansion continued throughout the 50s, um, opening milling operations in Canada and boosting their storage capacity. Soon after, they started purchasing mills in countries like Venezuela, the Philippines, Guatemala, France, Australia, and Germany. In 1960, they acquired their first non-food purchase, a company that sold household cleaners. By 1963, their name appeared on 127 product labels, later including a drink mix meant to compete with Kool-Aid that included some highly offensive names. I included that because I've seen those in a, like, I recently watched an old-timey movie and I saw it in the background. It was like, oof, oof. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And also a powdered milkshake mix called Moo Juice, which they... Moo Juice. Moo Juice, M-O-O Juice, okay. <laughs> which they discontinued because it, it seemingly didn't work out very well. Okay. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, that Bake Off. Pillsbury launched their annual Pillsbury Bake Off in 1949. The first iteration was hosted at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City by radio personality Ari Linkletter. Since then, dishes like Bundt Cakes and Peanut Blossoms have been popularized and become classics in part due to this event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Theodora Smallfield won $50,000 for her entry of No Need Water Rising Twist at this first this first event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, the Bake Off moved to every two years in 1976 and then switched back to annual in 1998 and then took a hiatus from 2014 to 2018. I didn't see anything about the pandemic, but I'm assuming there's been a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was... I Oh, I didn't check whether it was on in 2020, but it was definitely on in 2021. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And with technological developments of the 50s and 60s and the American preference for convenience that happened in those decades, Pillsbury sought to cash in on all of that with things like the 1967 purchase of fast food chain Burger King, which I did not know. I had no idea. Yes. Um, By the following year, the company owned interest in a wide range of industries from life insurance to computer time sharing. Huh. <laughs> yes. Under new leadership in 1973, non-related food interests were sold off so that the company could focus solely on food products. Over the 70s and 80s, uh, the company acquired Totino's Finer Foods and Green Giant, uh, Steak and Ale, Haagen-Dazs, Von de Kamp, which is a seafood kind of a kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, Diversa Foods Incorporated, and Quick Walk Incorporated. And restaurants provided this huge chunk of cash and growth for them during this time. Uh, These purchases significantly increased the company's sales. By the 1980s, Pillsbury provided 10% of America's flour. Ooh. Yeah. From 1972 to 1986, the company's sales and earnings continued on an upward trajectory. It was like truly... Amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Their earnings almost doubled from 1980 to 1985. And by 1984, their products were available in 55 countries. Ooh. Ooh, 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 and speaking ooh, 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 of technological developments, <laughs> Pillsbury food scientist Dr. Howard Bauman was involved in developing edible cubes for astronauts in the 1960s. When astronaut Scott Carpenter snacked on the cubes in, in 1962, he became the first person to eat solid food in space. Huh. Yes. Oh, if we if we <laughs> mentioned that Pillsbury was part of that in our space food episode, I do not remember us doing it. That is, that's fascinating. It is. And you know we love a good space food fact. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but this also brings us to something else we love. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mascots. Um, so one piece of Pillsbury's success was indeed advertising. In 1965, the company debuted Poppin' Fresh, a.k.a. the Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, the Doughboy was created by the Leo Burnett ad agency and first voiced by actor Paul Fries. Yeah, uh, Mr. Poppin' Fresh was uh, apparently created by um, a guy who worked for this agency named uh, Rudy uh, Purs. And he was, he had this concept of this little bit of anthropomorphic dough just kind of popping out of one of these mm. canisters and coming to life. Um, and uh, they they worked on it. Um, the voice... <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Paul Paul Freeze beat out some 50 other actors who auditioned for the voice, including the voice of Tigger, Paul Winchell. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the design and original drawing for this character was done by one Martin Nodal, who was employed by the agency at the time. But he is also behind the original Green Lantern uh, and earned a name for himself in the comic book world. To bring the Doughboy to life, the company employed a pioneer in the realm of computer graphics, Pacific Data Images. They formed this plan to create 13 stop motion ads, like immediately, like it was an aggressive campaign. Um, and within three years, it it worked. Like 87% of American consumers recognized the Doughboy. Dang. Yeah. That's fast. Um, according to inventors.org, quote, his formal name is Poppin' Fresh. The only music he ever performed was rap. He is all dough. He has blue eyes. He always wears a baker's hat and scarf. He originates from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He loves to bake. And 20 years ago, he had a wife and two pets. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> funny. No, it's very, it's, there's, yep. <laughs> I I was I was laughing a lot considering the kind of like like dryness of some of this material. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, inventors.org I will say is missing a few details, including the other musical stylings of our friend uh, Pop and Fresh. Uh, according to General Mills, he's also appeared as an opera singer and a rock star and has played instruments ranging from uh, the harmonica to the violin to the bugle to the accordion. Oh, very talented, I see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And (laughs) as of the early 1970s, we were also introduced to the Poppin' Fresh doll that was so popular the company released dolls for the whole family, including wife Poppy Fresh, kids Popper and Bun Bun, Dog Flapjack, Cat Biscuit, and Grandparents Grand Mommer and Grand Popper, and Uncle Rolly. Never forget. Never forget. Uh, <laughs> I think there were finger puppets, and there was like a little vinyl playhouse set. Oh, my gosh. I did read that, that they were collector's items now. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was also a family teddy bear by the name of Cupcake, and yes, there was a stuffed animal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and a few young actors appeared in these commercials before they got big, including Michael Sarah, Kirsten Dunst, and Drew Barrymore. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, according to the Pillsbury site, at one point, Poppin', <laughs> Poppin', <laughs> Poppin' yeah. Fresh was receiving 200 fan letters a week. Ooh. And according to Mental Floss, the original stop-motion animation called for five bodies and 15 heads. And as I said, I literally was just talking to somebody about this, so... You know, the universe was sending me a sign, I guess. Oh, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. All points converge on Poppin' Fresh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but this growth that we've been describing for Pillsbury could not continue forever. And by the mid-1980s, it had begun to slow. They tried a few things to combat this, um, some that worked and some that didn't, including developing concept restaurants and a line of frozen and microwavable foods. However, the company's progress continued to slow and decline, so the higher-ups decided to reduce their restaurant division. 
1988, their earnings dropped to half that of the year before, around $7 million. That same year, the new president tried unsuccessfully to fight off a takeover, and in 1989, the company was absorbed by the British distilling company Grand Metropolitan. Uh, This catapulted the Grand Met, as it was called, to become Mm -hmm. the eighth largest food manufacturing company in the world. And this is another, like, it was very businessy, very stock market-y, so I didn't go into it. It was interesting. Um, but I was like, okay. We, like, this, this is, is a little our... too technical. Let's... <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so the Grand Met did some shuffling and reorganizing, and profits increased in the early 1990s. They moved away from staple products and focused more on branded items and international expansion, uh, acquiring more companies along the way. In 1994, they introduced 80 new products. Um... As of 1996, uh, Pillsbury was only available in the United States, uh, Canada, Japan, Mexico, and South Africa. Um, and right, Grand Met was looking to expand um, back into the United Kingdom at the time, as well as other international markets. Um, and <laughs> in, in the UK specifically, um, e- even though the brand had previously failed to catch on a, cu- a couple of different times, uh, a, a representative for the company said, of Pillsbury and the Doughboy in 1996, there's a latent awareness. <laughs> it just, it sounds kind of menacing. I don't know. <laughs> All points converge on the Doughboy. <laughs> We're uncovering something here, Lauren. I don't know. <laughs> um, in 1997, the Grand Mat merged with Guinness, to form Diageo, that is another. I knew there was something else. Our Guinness episode, um, you could also check out. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, and through this merger, alcohol became their most profitable sector, and the food side of the business, including Pillsbury, just wasn't the focus, and it wasn't keeping up. So in 2001, uh, Diageo sold Pillsbury to General Mills in a really complicated deal. That yeah, I'm not going to go into. Um, the sale was valued at $10.5 billion, but the next few years were pretty rocky with decreasing sales and payouts. Yeah, this this deal was a lot. Um, you know, like we've been talking about, the two companies had been local competitors literally across the river uh, for forever. Um, they had gone to court over patent infringement at least once. I, I only found one record, but I honestly assume it's more than that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, also during this deal, um, General Mills was looking to shave some $400 million in costs by consolidating across Pillsbury General Mills. Um, so there was there was some controversy. There were some mm-hmm. opinions to be had. Um while acquiring Pillsbury, there there was like a bunch of uh, hubbub in the news about whether General Mills was going to need to sell their Betty Crocker shelf-stable baking mix line as so not to get hit with antitrust uh, right. suits. Um, and they were, it sounded like, planning on doing that for a minute, but wound up instead selling Pillsbury's baking mix division to another company called the uh, uh, International Multifoods Corporation. That was for $304.5 million in cash Ooh. that <laughs> same year, 2001. Yeah. Um, so, right. So that is that is whereupon anything uh, that's in the baking aisle uh, became part of a different company. Uh, mm-hmm. The cake mixes, the frosting, et cetera. The Funfetti brand was part of the deal. 
Multifoods already had a bunch of other baking aisle brands in its portfolio, um, and they were bought by Smuckers in 2004, um, who then <laughs> turned around and sold um, its baking aisle brands to a uh, newly formed private company called Hometown Food Company in 2018. That total deal was worth $375 million, um, and apparently the Pillsbury division was worth some $200 million a year at the time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a web we weave. Mm -hmm. um, but back to the Doughboy. Yes. Doughboy Indeed. update. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pop and Fresh was number six in Advertising Age's list of top ad icons of the 20th century. Um, he's been a balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade since 2009. Um, 2015 was the Doughboys' 50th birthday anniversary. Mm. Anyway, he now <laughs> appears on packaging in over 20 countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, throughout the 20-teens, though, um, back to the General Mills side, sales of refrigerated doughs were dropping as consumers moved away from products that require even that amount of work in favor <laughs> of ready-made products um, and also away from, like, sugar and other carbs in general. Um, even sales of convenience um, frozen baked goods, like, like those toaster strudels, were dropping. Um, <gasps> I know. <gasps> I know. <laughs> Um, so in 2021, uh, Pillsbury started selling refrigerated kits to make it even easier to make those uh, like like pull apart garlic or, or, or garlic rolls or monkey bread. Yeah. Um, and similar like half homemade classics or previously you would have had to have brought the the garlic oil or cinnamon sugar to your own party. Now it's no. all packaged up there in a kit. Mm -hmm. Um also, they debuted cookie dough specifically meant to be snacked on without baking. Yep. Like, not only did they make it safe or safer anyway to uh, to to eat their raw cookie dough, they also they just sold it in little started selling in little tubs, little, mm -hmm. little, little balls of it, pre just just ready to pop in your mouth. Um, uh -huh. Also, pop also, and frozen, <laughs> pop and frozen, hey, or pop and refrigerated, pop yeah. and chill. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um, also, also from uh, 2020 to 2021, um, they debuted ready-to-eat snack cakes and cookies in the snack aisle for the first time, including a confetti cookie because ah. they can't use funfetti. Oh, gosh. I love this. I know it's so stupid, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, me too. Um yeah, ready-made ready um, snack sales have been up during the pandemic. And General Mills seems real dedicated to making the business work. Um, in 2021, they announced a $65 million upgrade to um, the plant in Tennessee that makes YoPlay and Pillsbury refrigerated products. So, hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, however... Pandemic supply chain shortages have affected the the brand. Apparently, um, apparently General Mills usually stocks its uh, refrigerated stuff to ninety eight percent plus of the demand rate. But as of February to March twenty twenty two, Pillsbury refrigerated pizza dough, for example, was down to around seventy percent of the demand rate. 
Um, a company rep said that the issue was ingredient shortages, uh, fats and oils and starch and packaging. Yeah. Um, wheat prices uh, also are currently rising um, with futures up by 5.35% uh, as of the beginning of March um, and uh, Russia's attack on Ukraine as those two countries produce some 14% of the world's wheat. So everyone is kind of keeping an eye on brands like this that deal with products like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this has been really interesting. It was, a, as you said, a lot of like kind of drier stuff and a, a lot of like uh, businessy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But I mean, it, it was interesting to see how many companies got involved. Um, if you're curious, like the companies um, that I was mentioning, kind of my list during the 70s and 80s, they don't own all of those anymore. Uh yeah, everything has changed hands so many times at this point. Yes, yes, uh, which I do legitimately find fascinating. I know it's kind of like one of those heavy, uh, I got to sit with this in my brain, make sure I know what it means, <laughs> but I do find it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, I think that's what we have to say about Pillsbury for now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. 
we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with this mail. Oh my goodness, that was adorable. <laughs> we both kind of panicked <laughs> about the opening of the canister. <laughs> you know, popping fresh. Fresh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dale wrote, most military units have to undergo readiness inspections, which often include simulated disasters to fix. In 1986, my submarine was no exception. Twice a year, we would come in and pick up our riders, then slip back out to sea. For the next three to four days, we would endure oral and written examinations and said disaster drills. During this evolution, you felt lucky to get more than three hours of sleep a day, sometimes even all in one shot. Of course, our captain had prepared us for this by running his own training sessions, leaving us already exhausted. We had come to the end of one such inspection. I don't remember a specific grade, but we had passed. Um, on our way back to port, where I would see my wife and daughters for the first time in three months, I had a few minutes to sit before going on to my next watch station. Someone had put a cassette tape into the ship's player, and I heard this awesome song that expressed so well my current mental state. I failed to check who the singer was, and though I looked often, I never could find the song. Years later, a lovely thing called the internet finally made such searches more <laughs> possible. Typing in the few words I remembered into the iTunes search bar, I was rewarded as those lyrics came alive again. I want cold pizza for breakfast and a pinch of cold spaghetti would do. Uh, the song is by Christine Lavin and you should definitely give it a listen. Okay. Aww. Yes, huh? this is in response to our call. Do yeah. people eat cold pizza? We love it here in yes. the U.S. Um, I've never heard this song, but I love that. Jeez, um, oh, you know, sometimes you just wake up in the morning. You don't want to heat anything up. You're like, whatever. Yeah. It's going to be great cold. <laughs> Convenience foods, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, cold mm-hmm. pizza. So good. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> mm-hmm. um, Barbie wrote, when I listened to your podcast about mangoes, I was instantly transported back to my childhood in South Florida, where we lived in a house with two mango trees. My mother loved the mangoes from her trees and ate them often throughout their growing season. They were so juicy that each time she had one, she would say, these are so juicy, I should eat them in the bathtub. <laughs> I don't know if she ever did that, but I saw her frequently leaning over the kitchen sink, enjoying one of her beloved juicy mangoes. During your black pudding episode, you mentioned that people sometimes make negative comments about the foods that other people eat. When my husband's 16-year-old son came to live with us, he had eating preferences that were so different from ours, and our eating habits were strange to him. One of the first house rules we made was that no one could comment on anyone else's food. It went a long way to create harmony in our home. I bet it did. <laughs> oh, right? Oh, yeah, that can get so personal so fast. Mm-hmm. You can feel attacked. Yeah. Oh. You're like, no, this is delicious, and it's also part of my childhood, and also, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think that's a good, that's a pretty good rule. Um, also, I love the eating the mangoes in the, yeah. over the sink. I do stuff like that sometimes with fruit that I know is just going to be so messy. You're just like, oh, yeah, screw it. Just this yeah. is where I live now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, well, thanks to both of those listeners for writing. 
If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.